Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Larikia, and this is episode number 345 of the podcast. It's the 29th of March, 2023, as I record this intro. And this week, we're sharing a new episode in the Unschooling Rules series. We're diving into the, quote, rule that unschoolers don't have bedtimes. Although it's true that most unschoolers move away from arbitrary bedtimes set by the clock, we still all sleep. And because people are so different, what a family's bedtime routine looks like can be unique for different families and also in different seasons of life. We talk about some of the worries and fears that come up when thinking about sleep, as well as what sleep has looked like for us over the years. We had a lot of fun diving into this topic, and we hope you find our conversation helpful on your unschooling journey. Before we dive in, I wanted to mention the Living Joyfully podcast. Have you subscribed to it yet? If not, I highly recommend it. Anna and I are now almost 20 episodes in, talking about relationships, navigating conflicts, and parenting. The first 14 episodes were our Foundations series, exploring fundamental ideas and tools for cultivating strong and connected relationships with the people we love. You can find it wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, or just go to podcast.show forward slash living joyfully in your browser. And last, but never ever least, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support is instrumental in keeping the podcast archive, both audio and transcript, freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to support the show, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash exploring and schooling. And now let's get to our conversation about bedtimes. Welcome. I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca. And today I'm here with Anna Brown and Erica Ellis. Hello. Hi. So before we get started, we want to remind everyone that with this unschooling quote rule series, we use the word rules in quotes to draw attention to the fact that there is no such thing. It can feel easier to reach for a set of rules to follow, especially when we're learning something new. But we want to offer you space to look within, to find what makes sense to you and what makes sense to the individual members of your family. There are no unschooling police. Nobody is going to drop by your house and give you a failing grade or even an A+. Our goal with the series is to explore these apparent rules and cultivate an environment for self-discovery, inquiry, agency, and growth. So with that, in this episode, we're diving into the rule that unschoolers have no bedtimes. That can seem a little out there when you were done schooling and first come across it, but I will say it's a pretty distinguishing feature for many unschooling families. And that said, it doesn't really mean what it sounds like at first. Through the lens of conventional parenting, it sounds like chaos. 
And tossing bedtimes out the window in a family used to relying on rules and needing the kids to be up early for school would most likely end up that way. Absolutely. Yet through the lens of unschooling, most unschooling families truly don't have fixed bedtimes, yet their lives aren't forever sleep deprived and chaotic. So what gives? Well, it's about the lifestyle the parents choose to embrace with their children. It's less about control, about adult power over children, and more about connection, living and working together as a team. As we gain experience with unschooling, we come to question hard and fast rules like bedtimes dictated by the clock. We tend to prefer to consider the context of the moment, like is there an activity we want to do tomorrow that necessitates getting up early? And the needs of the person, are they actually tired right now? Yet not having a rule to pull out doesn't mean we're all of a sudden not involved in helping our children navigate the situation. We don't leave them to run wild until they drop. Instead, there's a helpful perspective shift that we can make from rules to routines. So what does that look like with bedtimes? Well, people do get tired. What if you thought of bedtime as more of a routine to help your child get to sleep when they're tired, rather than a fixed rule based on the time on the clock? Does it seem reasonable to help them listen to their bodies and follow their cues, rather than try to control their bodies based on outside factors? There is so much rich learning in there and a deeper sense of self-awareness. Another helpful aspect of thinking in terms of routines rather than rules is that for many kids and adults, there's comfort in routines, in knowing what to expect. And routines help with transitions, a relaxing routine to get ready to go to bed when they're tired or a routine to get out the door so things aren't forgotten and people aren't rushed and miserable. <laughs> Having a rule, like a bedtime, actually encourages us to not learn the nuances of the people we love. We just pull out the rule and insist they follow it, no matter how they're feeling or what's going on in their lives. There's no critical thinking, just obedience. Not having a specific bedtime rule is about getting to know and understand our children and ourselves. When do we feel tired? How do we like to ease into sleep? We can figure that out alongside our children, which we talked about in the last episode as well. You know, we don't have to know the answers. We can figure this out. We're finally getting the chance to question these things. Like we probably grew up with a bedtime. We've certainly heard the messages that all oh, children need bedtimes that surround us. So it's it's really fascinating to just take a rule and like bedtimes and then just start questioning it. Like what if we didn't have it? It could be just something fun you play with in your mind at first when you think, what the heck? That seems a little <laughs> un unnerving to me. <laughs> what are your thoughts, Erica? Oh my gosh, this rule is a really fun one to dig into, I think, because it is one that seems just so wild at first. It's one of those that's like, well, I would never do that. But then now the idea of enforcing a certain time for sleep just seems so strange to me. And I remember having a really hard time falling asleep as a child myself. And I do think I could have benefited from this kind of approach of, you know, learning some of the calming tools that we talk about now, having some sort of a relaxation routine to help me and learning how to listen to my body instead of just looking at the clock. 
So I found that the transition from when my kids were babies to now has been this gradual process of learning and growing. I observed them, saw what they needed, saw when they were tired and how they like to fall asleep and so on, and just used their cues as the guide. And over the years, the timing of their sleep, the location of their sleep, what helps them fall asleep, all of that has changed and fluctuated. So what I find so valuable about this approach and looking at sleep as this physical need rather than a prescribed schedule is that we all learn so much more about our bodies. We get to really feel how our bodies tell us what we need. We talk about what makes sleep feel easier or harder, which is actually different for different people. And I'll give you a couple of examples just to think about. So some people actually have a really hard time sleeping when it's pitch black while other people want to have complete darkness. I have friends who feel the safest and most comfortable falling asleep in the daytime when the sun is coming through the window. So light is one aspect that can be different for different people. And then there's sound. Some people fall asleep best in silence, but for many, having a sound machine or a fan going can help us fall asleep more easily. I love to have a heavy blanket over me because it makes me feel safe and cozy, and it's not even cold where I live. So my husband gets so hot that a heavy blanket is a terrible idea for him. So I have my little blanket zone that's just for me. And there are more aspects like what activities you do before you sleep or what you eat or you drink before bed, how many hours of sleep feels really good for your body and so on. And I just wanted to share some of these differences just to emphasize that like with everything else we ever talk about, (laughs) there is no one right way to sleep. And by opening up the possibilities and getting creative, we really can figure out what works well for us as individuals and also as a family. And so I think that in some unschooling families, it will look from the outside like they're enforcing a bedtime because everyone's falling asleep at the same time each night. But it's just because that's what's working well for them at the moment. And so to me, it's not a matter of just like, who cares? Stay up to whatever time you want. I'm not going to help you get any sleep. It's about thinking about the context, like what you were saying about what do we have to do in the morning? What do we need to do with our time? What do we want to do with our time? What uh, Noticing how we like to sleep and what makes us feel good. And then me, like my role is trying to support my kids and my whole family to meet all of our different needs. And when we aren't meeting all of the needs, then we can have conversations and try to problem solve together just try something different and play with it. So it's always a work in progress and it's constantly shifting as the kids are growing and as our needs change. Anna. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I love the reminder about how we're all so different, you know, because as you were going through the differences, I was thinking about my own preferences. I prefer pitch black. I also have a sound machine. I like a blanket, but I have this thing called bed jet that cools or heats depending on the time of the year. So I'm a little bit of a princess, Um, but I've seen these people that can just sleep anywhere. Right. But that is not me. And it wasn't my kids either, you know, and when I think about it, you know, part of my journey as an adult was learning to listen to and love my body because I feel like I had a lot of messages when I was younger that really kind of dissociated me from those cues. And I knew that I wanted my children to not lose touch with the wisdom of their bodies. You know, in babies, we see this clear communication of being hungry or tired. And yet, you know, somewhere along the way, conventional wisdom tells us that we need to apply this strict, somewhat arbitrary schedule, really, to these growing humans. 
Okay, so I guess in fairness, you know, some people do that with babies, but developmental psychologists and medical professionals agree it is really important to listen to a baby's cues. And if you've been around a baby, you see they know how to communicate those cues. And so what it looked like for us was, you know, we were eating when we were hungry, we were sleeping when we were tired. And as you both touched on, though, that was in the context of our family of four, what made sense for the life that we were creating together. And in the early years, David was working outside the home and needed to get up early. So that was always a part of the consideration, noise levels, energy, you know, time of the night. We had this gigantic, huge family bed, and thankfully he was a deep sleeper, but we still needed to find ways to be creative to meet the needs of everyone involved. And we did often like to go to bed together. So because I don't know, I I just have really fond memories of that time in the dark, thinking about our day, sharing the ups and downs, reading a book, you know, that was just really precious time that I think about often. But it also meant that I wasn't getting alone time in the evening. So as an introvert, that was a little tricky for me. So I would make adjustments like getting up earlier than they did or taking time when they were playing with David. Also, just looking for ways to fill my cup throughout the day. It just never really felt good to me to think about, you know, sending someone off to bed who wasn't tired just because I needed, you know, to have some alone time. I wanted it to work for all of us. And I found that, you know, as we work together and really caring for and honoring each other's needs allowed us to be creative and come up with the solutions that felt good for us all. And like you said, Erica, it changes, you know, there are bumps and changes along the way, but we can just kind of keep that attitude of we're going to figure this out. Um, And just kind of an aside about this, because it always comes up in these kind of discussions, is the idea that if they don't have a strict bedtime that and get up in the morning, they won't be able to have a job. Like, I don't know how many times I've heard that from people, (laughs) and it does always make me chuckle, but it comes up. I get it. You know, we have these cultural messages. Um, You know, my girls, really all four of us back in the day, tended to be night owls. So if something was coming up that required an early start, we would talk through like what we wanted that to look like. And I found over and over, they were able to show up for the things that were important to them. You know, sometimes it was going to bed earlier the night before, really more often it was leaving extra room on the back end to maybe go to sleep early that night or sleep in the next day. And, you know, my youngest, she's 23 now, and she has worked at a lot of different jobs over the years. Um, some that go very late into the night. Currently, she has one that has her starting at 6 a.m. most mornings, and she has no trouble adjusting. And so she actually has been enjoying the early shifts because it frees up her afternoon and evening to be with friends. And so I guess my point is when we listen to our bodies and learn about the nuances of how we handle things, we make adjustments that we need to do the things that we want to do. So I think walking through any fears anyone has about that can help you pinpoint like what are the underlying issues? You know, is it fear of the future? Is it not getting alone time, not getting couple time? You know, whatever it is that walking through that will give you more information. And then once you've identified that root issue, you can find creative solutions that feel good to everyone as opposed to just, I'm, you know, we're going to swap down this arbitrary, you know, bedtime instead of digging deeper to like what's really going on here. So I think those that just kind of introspection can be really helpful. Yeah, I just want to go back to that that question of, you know, how will they be able to get up for for a job, right? Yeah. You have to train for years. 
to be able to <laughs> you know, and that's that's the other piece too. Like um they're choosing yeah. this this job, the, whatever it is, whatever the reason is that to get up by a particular time, whatever it is, it's something they're choosing, you know. So it really is. I guess surprising when you're first introduced the idea, but not at all surprising soon after. Right. Figure it out, you know. Once you start thinking about it. And then I think the other thing I want to throw in is they're young. So like Raylan will work these really late nights and then have an early shift the next. And I'm just thinking I would die. She's totally fine. (laughs) So it's like, it's just when they're doing things they want to do and they're young and not our age, you know, they have this ability to adjust and move through things that maybe when they're tired and those pieces and it's just but they're learning so much about what works and she will say like she would say sometimes when she was younger sleepovers she knew they weren't going to get sleep at the sleepover and so she didn't want to plan anything for two days afterwards because she wanted to rest but I love that she had that insight she still wanted to do the sleepover because it was fun being with her friends but she was learning things all the time versus if if I was imposing something she's not learning anything except what bedtime I think is a good idea I was um it's kind of reminding me of the don't borrow trouble idea too. Because yeah. I think a lot of our, I mean, it, you can really get caught in kind of a tunnel vision mode yeah. when it comes to things like this, especially if it is triggering the like, I never get to have time with my husband alone, or, right. you know, like just are they going to be able to wake up for the things? 20 years down the road, like all those kind of like the future fears or the fears of like, it's going to be like this forever. And so if we feel like those kind of fears are popping up, like, I think that's a good, a good time to step back and remember that there are seasons, everything's always changing. Every time I felt so trapped in whatever the sleep situation was that was going on, it would change the next day. Like as soon as I voiced my concern of it's never going to change, it changed the next day. And so (laughs) It's just like to remember that things do change and there are difficult seasons of sleep, but yeah, it's all a process and a journey. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's, that is a a really cool piece too, because we're all learning. Like, like as you were saying, Anna, they, they learn, you know, and again, experience with my kids as well, um, that, they learn what their body needs and what they like. I know I can have an extra late night and an early morning once, maybe twice right. in a row. And then I will need to accommodate <laughs> at some yeah. point with, with an earlier or, or a sleep in or something like that. But they're learning how their body ticks and how it works with sleep and what feels good. And they're gaining experience with how that changes over time. Like so that they aren't because. I, I feel for myself anyway. I remember when I was younger, when you mentioned that, Erica, like I would, you know, it'd be bedtime, I'd go to bed and I would lie there looking at the clock. Mm-hmm. And I'd be just like, okay, I don't want to look at the clock. I need to be asleep by certain certain time. And then I'd look and you know, that time it'd come and then I'd be like, oh my God, oh my God, no, I'm not, you know, I'm gonna have a horrible night. We we absorb that and we set ourselves up. Mm-hmm for feeling bad about it I could have woken up in the morning and been perfectly fine but I was thinking I did not get much sleep last night I'm going to be cranky all day and I kind of set myself up for that right so there were that was a long season when I remember looking for 10 o'clock oh my gosh or hearing my parents go to bed you know because you were just 
you went to your room and you just laid there to go, or I'd put my radio on for like the hour sleep timer. And if it, it would go off, I'd be like, Oh no, you know, <laughs> and you're dealing with that all by yourself. Right. So that's when we're talking about supporting our kids and helping them. And, you know, maybe they do want to go lie down and they get to learn that rest is okay. You don't literally need to be asleep all the time for recovery. Sometimes just some quiet time is reinvigorating. So like all these different pieces of learning about themselves and listening to the cues that their body is giving them and how they can, like, it doesn't mean that we need to be, um, perfect is the first word coming to mind like oh I'm tired therefore I'm asleep or anything like that we can try all sorts of I am tired and I really want to do this thing (laughs) and I'm going to get more experience you know learning about how do I deal with that so Mm -hmm. often we discover when it's something we really want to do and we're excited about it we do not feel tired while we're doing the thing we may be extra tired after we have our two days of recovery after a super things like that so it is just so fascinating. And just in the interest of sharing, because um, you guys shared how you like to sleep, I do like sunlight on. So I have like some colored lights around the window in the bedroom here. I do like sound. I have I have like some sleep headphones that I wear and I listen to an audio book. I like to have talking in the background. <laughs> it's just so fascinating. And and. So often, actually, here's a case where it's sometimes easier to do for us, but for kids, we need them to do it like the right way, right? Right. Dark, quiet, you know, this is the way you should sleep. I need all these extra accommodations, but no, no, we are all individual, unique, fun people. And whatever helps us do the things that we're wanting to do, like get some rest, get some sleep. Absolutely. Okay. So much fun to play around with. (laughs) I love that so much. And I love, I love that, that what the focus is so much more on what does our body, what do our bodies feel like rather than, I mean, that's exactly my experience as a kid too, Pam, of just looking at the clock and being like, I'm doing this wrong. I can't turn off my brain or whatever, but having no tools to help me through the spinning thoughts, no kind of thought about what would make this room more comfortable for me, you know, like none of that was a consideration. And so just thinking of it more as what is my body feeling? Like, it's just such a a nice place to start. Yeah, it is. Consider it. All right. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed diving into another one of these unschooling rules with both of you. And I hope our listeners find our conversation helpful as they navigate sleep with their family. Wishing everyone a lovely day. Bye. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey and be sure to check out the growing podcast archive the conversations never go out of date you can find more information about my books the living joyfully network online community and the childhood redefined unschooling summit online course at my website livingjoyfully.ca